listeners, you're on today with Yunyun, and this is State of the Pod. So today we'll be doing something a little bit different. This is part of a two-part series that I'm co-hosting with Michelle, and we'll be highlighting the research of one of our fellow Cornell students. And here I'm going to let her introduce herself. Yeah, so thanks for having me. My name is Vivian Kiniga. I'm a senior and also a master's student in information science at Cornell University, and my concentration is his experience, and I'm happy to be here. So Vivian, can you tell us a little bit about what got you interested in this field and what are some of the emerging issues that you see here? Um, so I'm taking this class called Computing Cultures and we just discuss about various things that are relevant to the mm-hmm. uh, society, how computing interacts with cultures. And we've been doing so many things in terms of data, in terms of rating systems. And I specifically got interested in this because this was a huge portion of our class material that we're doing and that's how I ended up writing the paper that you're going to discuss today. Yeah so it's a great piece called Evils of Computing Algorithm Bias. It can be found on Medium so definitely give it a read if you haven't had the chance yet. We'll have all the links up below the podcast. So Vivian can you first tell us a little bit about the Drudo Photos taste, what that entails and how you first came across it yourself? Yeah so In this class, we're required to come up with a case that is um, pertinent to the topic we're in. And I I was interested in algorithm bias, and my friend who's currently studying MIT was trying to help me also write this paper. And she told me about this researcher called Joy who works in specifically algorithm bias. And one thing led to another, and I came across this specific case. And just to go a bit into details about the case, um, in 2015, Google released their Google Photos app, and it's responsible for just grouping photos into groups and also albums. And in this particular incident, one software engineer, um, his name was Jackie, um, he he looked into his Google Apps photo and a photo of him and another friend of his who are both black had been tagged as gorillas. And this was clearly very gross mistake and he posted this photo like a screenshot of this on Twitter and then Google also reacted and promised to make things better and their response was to remove the the category gorilla from their categorization so yeah that's just a brief overview of the case yeah some must have been disappointing to read about and their solution definitely goes nowhere near addressing the issue at hand So from your research, what do you think are the contributing factors leading to their response? And what does this say about the current uh, shortcomings in algorithmic data, as well as facial recognition technology? Yeah, so one that is response was probably they were just panicking, but it was such an also gross response to the situation, because removing a category of gorillas is not answering the inherent bias in the the algorithms. And just a brief overview of what actually happened is that they, they used homogeneous data sets, which resulted in people of color, especially now black people, not being able to be recognized as people and being tagged as gorillas. So the, them removing the category was not a solution to this. And it just, I guess it just shows that either one, the company themselves don't understand their, their own mistake, like what happened that what resulted in this mistake. And also it just shows that they don't realize how important such biases are currently are because AI is just not being used to open my iPhone X. AI's facial recognition, AI is being used in law enforcement, is being used in different sectors in the hiring processes. So, yeah, that's a bit of summary. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yes, you certainly have. 
Uh, so in your paper, you really organize it in two different sections. You talked about the contributing factors as well as the long-ranging implications. So let's go in that order as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, you mentioned in your paper that these algorithmic systems rest on like this process of categorization, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And it's really worth evaluating the institutional infrastructure in place for these various categories to be used yeah. by such uh, tech companies. So can you elaborate on this infrastructure and implications? Yeah, so in the most basic form, um, going along the categories, Google is literally categorizing your photos into different groups like food, cats, dogs, etc., and then also into various albums. But then looking deeper into how this happens, it goes into, again, the data sets that they use. They use the specific data sets to come up with these categories. And so one implication, the f one the basis is that, well, first of all, the data sets are already biased. So they're coming up with categorizations in the form of, of from already biased data. So that's one misgiving already. And then huge questions come up with who determines these categories, like who is the person who decides that this photo looks like food, this photo looks like this or this or that. Um, and then this also goes back into we as humans are the ones determining this, are the ones coming up with these algorithms. And an algorithm can only be as good as me who's, who's coming up with this algorithm is. So if I have biases, and if I have biases in coming up with these categories, these biases will seep into the algorithms that determine these categories. And again, this m mode of categorization that shows the biases in our current society was also present in the research that I spoke about in the paper that comes from Bauer. And Bauer did his research specifically in apartheid systems and categorizations in South Africa. And he, in this categorization, he explicitly says that the advantaged are those whose place in a set of classification systems is a powerful one and for whom powerful sets of classification of knowledge appear natural. But then these infrastructures together support and construct specific identities that operate particularly smoothly and then force people to fit into these infrastructures and to act naturally quote unquote um you have to class to reclassify yourself and be classified socially so this this is just big words but then essentially he's just saying that this categorization comes from us our society and the categorization leads to advantaged groups and disadvantaged groups and in tying back this to my case, the people of color placed in these categories now in the Google Photos, the black people were categorized as gorillas. And in this case, this is just uh, this is just photo tagging. But then, if we think about um, we think about hiring processes, or we think about even law enforcement, we just wonder which categories will they be placed in. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I think we as a society has definitely become more aware of the dangers of labeling as well as categorization. But then when it comes to these algorithms, uh, computer scientists are essentially asked to make that same decision. They're asked to essentially make those categorizations. And yeah, that really brings me back to one of my earlier questions. You mentioned uh, this idea of biased data sets. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So... In this case, they used data set that was more was homogenous in terms of it was more white than any other race, so racial representation was not present. But in in a broader sense, data data is inevitably biased in terms of in 
such that there's no raw data. The Google, they were biased in terms of there was no representation. That's yet another way data sets are not are biased because they they lack representation. Either not necessarily only racial by racial racial bias, but then also gender bias as also discussed in the paper or any other form of bias, but that does not make the data a wholesome representation of what they're trying to solve. Right. I think in your paper you definitely addressed the overrepresentation of predominantly white males. Yeah. So um, from your research, is there any immediate solutions to or steps to address this issue? That's a good question. Um, I've been thinking about this and personally, I I don't know. I, I'm tempted to be like, yes, this, we can just make the data sets less, like, less biased, yeah. le- more, less white, but then that's also, that's a very idealistic solution. So I guess my immediate solution would be just that people who, researchers and companies that are using data and different data sets to recognize that yes, the data, data that they have and the data sets are biased inevitably. So they should just question themselves in, in terms of how do they alleviate these biases, especially to the targeted groups. Like how do they ensure that the assumptions that they're putting into, applying to the data are not disadvantaging more the targeted people who, are already, whose data, who the data is already biasing against. When I first read this paper, I was also pretty confused about why there hasn't been more of a push to diversify these data sets, but maybe uh, Vivian's response to this next question can offer some more clarity. So you mentioned this idea of path dependency in your paper. Can you walk us through what that means and how that contributes towards biased data sets? Yeah, so in the most basic form of path dependency is the idea of using the same data sets to determine whether the new algorithm or the advanced technique that you've come up with is better and which actually makes sense for example if i come up with with an app today and it's really bad and the users hate it and i want to come up with a new one it makes sense to use the same data so that i can say it's better in what way is it better because if i just use a different data set it the, the question will be, is it really better because you're d- using d- different data sets? So this is the idea that different techniques in the technology, sp- different algorithms in the technology space, space use the same data, which tends to be biased, to come up with better, quote-unquote, solutions. So is it really better? I don't think it's really better in the terms of the, alg- the bias is still carried on to the, quote-unquote, better algorithm. So path dependency offers companies a way to measure like this progress, like they have to choose the same. Yeah. Elder- okay. Exactly. So it's a way to measure their progress in, I see. in coming up with new technology. Interesting. And that's that's how it promotes um, the spread of bias because we're still using the same data sets um, to to quantify or to measure our success. Right. So your essay definitely raises a lot of these wide ranging concerns stemming from the bias in the data sets. Uh, Would you mind walking us through how the discriminatory nature of facial recognition technologies might look like in the workplace and also in the hiring process? Yeah, so companies are now using facial recognition techniques um, in the hiring process, which I actually didn't know. I found out about this when I was doing my research. And so people people tend to, people will upload their videos um, during the hiring process and they use um, the technique to determine different fits, such as are you a good are you a good fit in terms of cultural fit? Are you is your personality um, good enough for the company, or does is it a fit for the company? And also skill sets wise, whether this whether you as a person are fit to work in the company. 
Wow, so it really seems like these companies are looking for very subjective traits. And how are they measuring that through these algorithms? Yeah, so I'll just go through every step. So for in terms of personal screening, personality screening, they, they, map, they map the tiniest shift in either your eye, your mouth, mouth and in the, just your facial expression when you're just answering the questions. And they relate that to emotions such that if maybe I cringe, they're like, oh, she's not confident. Or if maybe I did something that they related to the data set, they're like, oh, maybe she's con- a confident candidate. And based on that, they determine whether you're good or not a good fit. Um, in terms of the cultural fit, they also come up with an ideal, quote-unquote, company face, and then they analyze the candidates based on this ideal face of the company. Um, of the company. So you mean to say that the companies are not even trying to hide the fact that they're looking for these subjective traits, this ideal face? Like, yes. now they have a program in place <laughs> yeah. to get that done. Wow. Yeah, but then also, I, maybe I, ideal face is just putting it very, like, very shallow, but then ideal face can mean even while you're talking, mm-hmm. how you're expressing yourself. So basically, yes, but then they think they're doing more than that by analyzing um, analyzing official expressions. But then how this, again, ties into the, the algorithm bias is that since if you're using homogenous data um, in this tool to come up with the ideal face and to come up with the ideal personality and the ideal cultural fit, all this quote-unquote, um, you can barely... And ha- since the algorithm can also barely recognize black people, specifically black women, then how then can these tools not be biased is the real question. So they're inevitably biased in all these senses. Right, thank you. So you mentioned also that um, this discriminatory nature can lead to behavioral changes for disadvantaged groups specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, can you um, tell us about, of course, why this could be problematic and how that process goes about? Yeah, so this is very problematic because going back to Bauer's cases, you're forcing people of color to reclassify themselves in order to, to to be in the society, in order to have jobs, in order to to even like earn a living. So that's very problematic in itself. And even if this didn't depend on like this didn't they didn't need to do this to earn a living, this was still problematic. Having having to change yourself to fit what the society character as normal quote unquote is problematic in itself and how this happens is since um, since the mannerisms that are quoted to be the ideal face of the company, the personal fit are mostly white mannerisms due to the data sets and also just the, the cultural and the societal views then the people of color and the black people specifically are forced to to co- like to conform to have white mannerisms so that they can get um, a job. Yeah. So, how do these um, people like learn to adapt or learn these behavioral changes? How do they know what companies are looking for to respond to them? Um, that's a good question. Um, maybe just they go through the people that have been hired, like seeing, like it's just the way if you're trying to get into a job place, you'd go through. Um, the interview questions and try and answer the questions the way people maybe on glass to answer so it's along the same processes so people will go through the website look look at how people of people who've been hired look like and when they're uploading their video screens probably try and act the same or like look the same and also just asking them what they did and then probably um, fitting or making their 
their method of talking or just as their being as a person fit that so that they can get the jobs. Yeah, and I imagine it must be very discouraging when you go on a company website, you know, the bio pages, and see that none of the faces really look like you. Well, you've certainly taken us to some really, really awesome points today. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So yeah, um, let's try to end on a more po- uh, optimistic note. So what does the future look like? You know, you concluded your paper by talking about how these very uh, secretive algorithms have been in place for a very long time and that they must be challenged to increase accountability of algorithms. So how important are open software platforms and can there be a potential means for redress? Would you mind just sharing your thoughts with us on that? Sorry, yeah, big question, yeah. I know. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, so yes, I think, personally, I think open software is uh, like, is a good stepping step forward to like to even promote the conversation so one huge thing is like us as a society we don't question these things we don't question how someone can tag a photo of mine on facebook and tag my friend like i don't question such things i just take it as it is and having open plat- open software platforms where companies are and researchers are posting which data sets they use is a gateway to have these conversations. It's a gateway for the society to even ask questions such as, hey, who came up with these categories? Hey, who came up with, who, who even came up with these data sets? And, but then with that said, I, I just think that that's, that's a small part of the solution. The solution is a whole spectrum of us as a society not holding the companies accountable and by using the open software maybe us will be interested in engaging in conversations of how this algorithm affects us and which which people are being affected but then also the tech companies have a huge responsibility of just evaluating the technologies that they're producing evaluating the assumptions that are going into these technologies evaluating the effects such as forcing mannerisms on different groups and their and other huge effects that I, I can't even begin to mention. But with that said also, the government has a huge, huge, huge um, responsibility in terms of there's no good policies in place to determine whether this tool is fit to be used for law enforcement. And also people in government don't even know what the technology itself is doing. So probably having people who understand what goes into the technology in places of power, of in places where the policies are being made would also make a huge difference such that we're not explaining how Facebook works versus we're just a person in power is asking Facebook why does why is why is it are you using this particular data set? And right. yeah, so it's a whole all of us are just yeah. accountable in one way or another. Yeah, it's definitely true what you said about this need to have more scientific guidance and yeah, background, especially in the government, because, yeah, the congressional hearings yeah. <laughs> with Facebook yeah. and Mark Zuckerberg definitely showed us yeah. that there's more work to be done. And all the issues you hit on towards the end really hit close to home for me as well, because uh, State of the Pod is this new production on campus this year, and we really just try to showcase that a lot of these very, you know, broad scientific developments and issues certainly just don't stay in the science sector and they are very over-encompassing and touches on a lot more than just those traditionally in STEM. I think you talked about the importance of social impact Mm -hmm. for you personally and how you hope to have a profession in that field. Yeah. So can you tell us about what's next for you? I I know you're going to be a grad student, and then what does your summer look like? Long-term career goals. (laughs) That's that's a loaded question. So um, currently I just started my master's this semester, so I'll still be here next fall doing my master's in Mm -hmm. information science. And this summer I'll be interning in Salesforce for as a user experience designer. And 
I actually don't know what my future looks like. I just know I'm really passionate in passionate about such issues like how technology is affecting our society and how especially it's affecting disadvantaged groups in the society already. So my future probably looks like having a PhD in this space either using through user experience plus algorithm bias or some type of this. I don't know, somewhere along there, but I definitely want to get a PhD and just even be part of these researchers and be part of these people who question the data sets that are being used. And it's definitely encouraging to hear that there's yeah. people out there that's questioning data sets and <laughs> going to pursue a PhD and do research in this field. All right, thank you so much. It's thank been a real you pleasure. Thank so much. Thanks for having me. It's